0: welcome to episode 98 of the search with Canada podcast recorded on friday the 12th of february 2021 my name is mark williams cook and today i'm joined by rob lewis hello And today we are going to be talking about the iOS 14 update and all of the ramifications that may well be having. Um, If you don't know about the iOS 14 update and the impact it's going to have on tracking, you need to listen to this episode because it's a big deal. Um, I'm also briefly going to talk about Google Passage Ranking or Passage Indexing as it used to be called because that is now live. Before we get going, I'm going to tell you about Sitebulb. Sitebulb is a desktop-based SEO auditing tool and they very kindly sponsor this podcast. If you're a regular listener, you'll know I talk about them every week, talk about features that they offer, all the cool things that they're updating. You can run it on Windows or Mac and it's an essential part of our toolkit for doing technical and actually even on-page audits. So, what I want to talk to you about Sitebulb today is actually this is based on a discussion I saw on Twitter about SEO tools and audit tools and kind of referring to them almost almost as as checklist uh, checklist tools that give you kind of just a list of things which on their own aren't much good aren't much use and I've always agreed with that and I've always told people that you know you can't do an audit of your site just by sticking it in a tool and then expect to get kind of good results at the other end you know that's that's not going to change but i think what is worth mentioning with site bulb and i think they're by far the leader in this in the in terms of seo audit tools is the analysis they do on the data that they're collecting when they're crawling your site so there's lots of tools out there that will do you know, that they'll, they'll crawl your site and you'll get a report, which will say, okay, you've got these broken links, you've got some internal redirects and you know, this isn't working and that's fine because it's very easy and very actionable and you know, super basic checks, like you don't have a header one tag or you've got 20 header one tags, you know, they're, they're very easy. What Sitebulb does in spades is actually a lot more in-depth analysis and trickier things like when it sees you are internally linking to non-canonical pages it will detect things like that so these trickier things that often get missed or maybe where you are linking to pages in your sitemap that aren't linked to internally so that's probably a mistake and we've mentioned before as well even the basic checks they're doing as soon as you as soon as you actually put the url in checking what platform it's on if it's net and letting you know the foibles of those systems or if you're using cloudflare you might need to change your user agent when you crawl so i've I've said it before in terms of the feedback as well on top of this it gives it becomes a really good training tool because it identifies a lot of these more complex issues and it gives you actually and kind of a knowledge hub link to why this is an issue and what it might be causing. So if you're, especially if you've got a team that's maybe a bit new to SEO, it's a really great place for them to start. For the more advanced SEOs, you are saving a lot of time because it's detecting issues that normally you'd get clues for from the data, but then you'd have to go off and confirm yourself. So if you haven't tried it, There's a free trial at sightbulb.com. If you go to forward slash SWC, so sightbulb.com forward slash SWC, you'll actually get a 60-day trial. You don't need a credit card, so you can give it a go. And I highly suggest you do. Oh here we are again Rob I know
1: it's been a
0: while is this is this our sec- I think this is only our second one during a kind of lockdown isn't it I think it? so yeah but as um as of our as of a couple of episodes ago now we're doing video when we've got people on so it's it's nice it's kind of nice to see you again yeah. um and as a just as opposed to just having your voice so today um before so Rob's going to talk to us in a bit about uh, iOS 14, um, what that is, and some of the research he's been doing in that area. Before we kick off on that, I want to talk to you about Google Passage Ranking. So, Google Passage Ranking is something we actually talked about in episode 83. So, it was a while ago, and it was actually referred to then, or you know, Google referred to it as Passage Indexing, which pretty much is is something they announced in October last year, and it's Essentially, a way for Google to get better at ranking very specific searches. So, those really specific searches, Google has always said these can be the hardest to get right because sometimes it might be a single sentence that answers your question and that could be buried within a web page. And Google's approach to this has changed. They refer to it as a breakthrough in terms of not just indexing web pages but looking very closely at individual passages within them. And initially it was called passage indexing. And I think that caused a lot of confusion as SEOs are thinking the entire kind of indexing model had changed and Google wasn't indexing uh, web pages. It was just indexing, you know, it was breaking it down to fragments of passages. Google clarified that and refers to it now as passage ranking, meaning um, they're still taking this same page approach. But I guess the way they're maybe storing the data or accessing it internally means they can be a lot more specific about what's going on page. So the big news about this is that the search liaison Twitter account yesterday gave us an update. So yesterday being the 11th of February saying, update passage ranking launched yesterday afternoon, Pacific time for queries in the US in English. It will come for more countries in English in the near future than to other countries and languages after that and they said they'll update the thread as that happens. So as usual we'll put the link to that tweet and to our previous episode about passage indexing slash passage ranking in the show notes which you can find at search.withcanda.co.uk. What's interesting is Google did go on to say once passage based ranking or indexing has been fully rolled out they predict it's going to affect 7% of search queries across all languages, which is a huge amount. So my expectation then is that we will start seeing some ranking changes or some traffic. I would actually say you're probably going to notice this in terms of traffic changes rather rather than ranking changes. And the reason I'm saying that is because, remember, this update, this breakthrough is specifically targeting these really specific queries. Now your software that tracks rankings is likely set up and by default they work this way to track more of these kind of head terms which are the more general terms with big search volume and it's unlikely in my opinion we're going to see these change. What's going to change is this whole raft of long tail stuff so you may be getting more long tail traffic less um, so where I think you'll actually see the impact is the organic traffic rather than individual big rankings so that's rolling out as um as as usual with a lot of these updates in english first um, because that's how a lot of these models are kind of trained um, first time around and tested so i'd expect it would go to us other english-speaking countries like uk and then um basically the the rest of the world so wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing some data come through now about people saying how um their traffic's being affected as usual with this kind of update I would say that it's good to be aware of it but there's I wouldn't say there's particularly anything specific you need to do or can do to optimize for it so it, it's almost the other way around in that Google's making it easier for those who don't specifically optimize to rank for these queries so that the kind of archetype, you know, SEO for trying to rank for maybe these long tail queries is okay. Well, we we identify the questions and we use like header tags to make it very obvious that we're answering those questions. So this is going a step further, maybe by saying that Google can still find those answers if they're buried within the passage. And as we know, Google can highlight strings of text now, or Chrome can, um, they, and they do that directly from search. So when you've got that specific answer they can actually take you to that part of the page and highlight where the answer is for you. So my expectation is we'll see a more diverse set of domains in the the search results as well, as we're not relying maybe as heavily on other things like links for instance. Well, that's the easy bit out of the way. I guess we can talk about iOS 14 now, Rob. If we have to. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. um, I, I'll caveat, I guess, this section by, so the iOS 14 updates, as as Rob will go into, are um, slightly muddy waters in that there's lots of announcements, there's lots of technology changes, and there's lots of different parties and quite powerful parties involved that, all have an interest in the outcome in this. So the result of that is firstly, um, you know, we'll share with you what we've learned so far and our opinions on that. This situation is rapidly developing and because it affects, it potentially has big ramifications on basically the money that some big companies make. So that means that things are gonna change quickly as they try and protect that. And the other thing is that there is, for some of these issues, for some of these potential problems, there isn't solutions yet, and people don't know uh, the answers. I think that's that's fair to say, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're still we're still learning. Sorry, absolutely, we're still learning um, every day. Something new comes up. Um, something new comes up from Facebook. Something new is announced from Google, um, and it's all just had a massive effect. I guess, across every single channel.
0: So do you want to start and just give us uh, an overview of, you know, from the basic, what is iOS 14 and, and you know, what, what are the fundamental changes that are coming?
1: Well, iOS 14 was released in September um, and it comes with a number of features. Um, but the main feature that we're going to talk about today is over its privacy enhancements. Um, which were delayed until this year. The rolling out of those enhancements were delayed due to concerns and confusion amongst advertisers. Um, And the the main change that they've rolled out that's putting everyone into a bit of a tiz is over something called App Tracking Transparency, or ATT for short. And what this is, is it's a framework that Apple are enforcing all app developers to introduce, if they want their app to show on the App Store. And this, this I'll read out the spill. All apps are required to get user permission before tracking them across websites. Um, and what this means is that users will be shown a prompt, iOS 14 users will be shown a prompt when they use an app for the first time, since iOS 14 was installed or since installing the app for the first time and the the prompt will say do you wish to allow this app to track your activity across other companies apps and websites your data will be used to provide you with a better and personalized ad experience the first option is ask the app not to track the second option is allow. So it's expected that the majority, the vast majority of users will not want to be tracked. They do not understand why they need to be tracked. They don't understand the ramifications and they're not going to opt in to that.
0: Sure. I mean, that that makes sense. I think it's working like we've seen. um, I think the cookie notices are a really good example. So we've seen lots of people just reject all and opt out of cookies, even though you know, if you stop people on the street and ask them maybe what cookies are, what they're used for, you know, they won't know. And they, they get annoyed maybe when they see ads that they've seen before or a website hasn't remembered maybe something about them they're expected to. And and it's because, you know, cookies are used for that. So mm. I think, you know, I think that's a fair expectation, right, that a lot of people just can be like, well, yeah, no, uh, tracking, that sound, that sounds quite nefarious. No, thank you.
1: They think it's a form of surveillance, essentially, don't they? And uh, I can understand why they would f- think that because they want—they don't understand how that technology is working and what it is about them that's being tracked. They're worried that it's personally identifiable tracking that's 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 sharing their deepest, darkest secrets, for example. But that's—it's that's obviously not the case. But um, so I think, yeah, that the majority of people will choose not to opt in. having this data tracked and the long and short of all of this uh, and how it's going to affect people is that um, apps will not be able to run targeted marketing activities to their users across other apps and across the web if the user opts out Um, i mean they can still track visitor information to their app they can still track events that have taken place on that app but they won't be able to i guess if you will follow those users across the web across other apps remarket to them, for example. Um now when I first um started reading up about this, I thought, well, if I'm not advertising an app, if I'm not promoting an app itself, it's not really going to have a huge amount of impact. And so I think a lot of advertisers think, well we don't have an app to promote. It's not really a big deal if we can trap cross-app activity. But actually you need to consider that a lot of marketing platforms themselves rely on their app to track users and obtain data about their interests or their users' interests and activities. So if you take Facebook and Instagram, for example, so many of us have Facebook or Instagram the their apps installed on our phone. Um, and Facebook itself gets its advertising data from the app usage that their users their users create and the data that they create. As well as desktop data, a lot of that information is tracked on a cross-device perspective via the app, and and not just Facebook or Instagram, Google too. You know, Google. I've got various Google apps installed on my phone, installed because they provide me um, with uh, you know a better browsing experience and they speed up my workflow. But also, it allows Google to collate data and cross-reference my activity across the various devices that I use and and the various. Browsing activities that 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 I that that I create. So, for a standard app developer, I'm not, I'm not talking about Facebook or Google, or just a, a standard app developer. It may be an e-commerce app, it may be a lifestyle app. Let's assume that a user opts out of their data being tracked via that app. Um, I think the the major thing is that those apps, those developers, they won't be able to remarket to them across the web so they won't be able to show targeted ads that are tailored to them um another issue could be attributing leads or sales that take place outside of the app so if it's an e-commerce app um and people um explore discover new products via that app they may then go across the web historically they may be shown remarketing adverts that prompt them to go to the website to purchase for example or or to cross sell other products or related partners. So
0: a lot of this is actually then about this quite common behavior now of an individual user switching devices, right? Between a mobile, between desktop. Um, if we haven't, if we've got this, this tracking has been taken away from the app, we've lost that connection. So we can't tell it's the same user, right? That's been on the app and then gone to the website and purchased. Yeah.
1: There's going to be a huge black hole of information where I, where app developers that have a huge number of ios users moving from the app to the site to other locations there's going to be this huge um, void of, of unknown data a lack of attribution of leads and sales if if those multiple steps are important in the journey the life cycle of their product or, or service um but for for advertisers that don't Rely on an app or they, they don't market their own app, they don't have their own app. The issue will be felt more in terms of a mark dropping conversion data in Google Ads, for example. Um, I've already seen this quite heavily on some of the accounts I manage actually with Facebook. So, um, some of my clients where I run marketing campaigns on Facebook, I'm losing a lot of conversion data um, because the conversion itself takes place on my client's website. But the users that we're marketing to i'm re- I'm marketing to them via the Facebook app, if that makes sense, so they may have discovered my my client's product or service on Facebook, gone to their website, and purchased but as far as i'm as far as Facebook's reporting, there are no sales being generated by iOS users because those users are opting out of being tracked via facebook
0: so th- I mean this is. I guess the biggest issue for most people then is actually how this update affects Facebook, right? Because we rely on things that Facebook does um, when it when it does things like it generates like lookalike audiences. And I guess their ability to do things like that will be diminished if they can't track me as an individual, what I do, you know, my activity across, across device. So mm-hmm. they, they can't tag me you know, can't match up what I'm doing on my mobile necessarily. Yeah, what I'm looking at to 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 the web, right?
1: Absolutely. And Google has always been the king of search, hasn't it? Really. You know, it's it's for intent based um, prospecting. It's fantastic. Facebook has always been the king of interest and behavioral targeting, in my opinion. It's it's targeting and lookalike audience building has been second to none. And so this, yeah, from a from an advertising perspective, um, this may very well have ramifications over the accuracy of the targeting settings that we have in a campaign. So yeah, that's 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 a good thing to raise. Um, Facebook has been quite vocal about this update um, because, as you mentioned at the start of this, it's going to shake up big players who generate a lot of advertising revenue as a result of the data they collect um the the angle actually that facebook has been pushing on is that it's going to impact their publishers because a lot of publishers rely on ad revenue they're part of the facebook audience network and they feel like they're going to lose out but really facebook is probably worried that it's going to lose a lot of attribution and as we've discussed this before facebook um, can be a bit heavy with its over heavy-handed with its attribution when it comes to conversion tracking it's made a few um, changes actually in light of this recent IRS update. It's changed the default click window down from 30 days to seven days. Um, presumably it's unable to guarantee a conversion window any higher than seven days now as a result of that update. And it's it's kept the view through window to one day, which, which was standard. And I logged into Facebook the other day and was greeted with a message to saying. That my domains have automatically been configured with eight new events, and these new events will provide an aggregate estimate conversion report based on the historic data of my account. Now, I I tried looking into this in more detail, and I tried setting it up, um, but there's some. Um, I I need to I I need to have a look and see what type of conversion data it's reporting. Um, I. But I'm a bit concerned because Facebook has a propensity, as I say, to over-attribute sales where they're not due or conversions of any form. And if it's now telling me it's going to estimate conversions on in aggregate, that that fills me with a bit of uh, cynicism, to be honest. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what it attributes conversion-wise there moving forward. Um, but it hasn't made, it hasn't made it easy for agencies to, to set up because it requires that the, the client verify their domain. Um, so it's not something that the agency can do on behalf of the client. Um, Facebook's business manager isn't really set out very well for agency use. And I think all of this scrambling from Facebook just highlights how, how behind the times they've been with their interface and, and and future proofing it and and they're scrambling about it's going to be full of bugs no doubt as it usually is in facebook but um yeah so time will tell what happens over the next few weeks but um i'm curious to know how it's aggregated event management is going to work and um i can report on that in a future podcast perhaps give more detail about that um, Google, on the other hand, actually has kept its cards pretty close to its chest. Um, it, well, for starters, it's not getting in a tiz like Facebook. It's not It's not saying anything negative about it. It's just shared information with app developers about how best to prepare in terms of getting that um, ATT framework in place. The only thing it's done is caution advertisers that we may see a significant impact to Google ad revenue on iOS after apple's att policies take effect so google don't seem too worried but i i suspect they've foreseen all of this anyway they've for the last few years have been making preparations for cookie blocking and ad blocking and i know they're working on a cookie list tracking solution so i'm sure they'll introduce that at some point
0: yeah that was something we spoke about so if if Um, our listeners haven't heard about it, we had an episode about Google Analytics 4 with Krista Seiden and Seema Hava about um, basically what they're doing with GA4 and the advantages. And one of the things that came up was the uh, modeling they're using for kind of a cookie-less future. And that was something we we spoke about in terms of, you know, we're only gonna get less cookie-like data in the future and Google's aware of that. So they're trying to position their analytics platforms to, you know, be able to work around that basically.
1: Mm. I think we're in for a very potentially dangerous time um for clients in particular that rely on these advertising platforms. Um particularly if if we're moving away from cookie-less tracking and I'm 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 referring here to Google primarily. Google's made a lot of changes over the last twelve months when it's removed a lot of data from the user, from the advertiser, and it's hiding a lot of data and it's not telling you where conversions or sales are coming from. And it looks to me from you know, I've played around a bit with GA4, and it looks to me like it's it's trying very hard to not hide the um the true source of traffic but it, it's removing that granular ability that you had with um, with universal analytics where everything was session based and you could analyze it in a granular approach and say well this visitor um, arrived via organic um, I can track this user through the multiple channels ga4 seems to be a bit more restrictive and it seems to be following suit to how the Google ads platform has been Um, changed recently I mean just a few examples shopping smart shopping campaigns on Google they hide all search query data they hide the network that it's shown it's a smart shopping campaign isn't just on the shopping search results it can be a display advert it can be a YouTube advert Google hides all of this and one of the things that you used to be able to do is look at the search term data in Google Analytics and one of the things I, I know I've spoken about this before one of the things is that you'd quite often see brand traffic come through on the sh- smart shopping campaigns and you can't exclude that smart shopping campaigns are fully automated. So there seems to be this movement of Google to go for the easy conversion. Now, just because it's reporting loads of low cost, high volume conversions doesn't mean they're genuine conversions that you would get from an outreach, um, exercise, you know, uh, a, a, so what would you rather spend 10 pounds on a brand new customer that had never heard of you before or someone who was going to purchase via organic or direct anyway it seems to be this um this movement away from that transparent reporting where you can see for yourself and instead we're relying on google to say oh no that's a that's a new customer that that came from shopping <laughs> yeah that's and it's the same with facebook you know facebook says oh i've um yeah facebook we've we made this, we made this conversion. Um, but actually when you analyze the user's behavior in analytics on a granular level, you can see that actually the user discovered via organic and just so happened to be shown a Facebook ad on or before purchasing. So I've, I've probably gone off on a bit of a tangent as, as I tend to do. Um,
0: I think, I think that's value. I mean, we've, we've spoken around these kind of uh, this kind of area before and, I think this is the value and sometimes what maybe clients that want to use these platforms don't appreciate, which is that the Google and Facebook and whoever of this world, their motivation, their way to generate revenue is not necessarily aligned with your best interests. So it is in Facebook's interest, of course, to attribute as many valuable actions to their advertising platform as as possible and you know obviously obviously the same for google so i think part of the value there of whether it's freelancers whether it's agencies or whether it's you hiring experts in-house to do it isn't just managing these campaigns to their you know their vestability It's doing what you said which is doing almost like an independent analysis on well this is what they're reporting is it correct because you know something i learned over the years and especially since i've worked with you rob is that the it's very easy to underestimate the complexity of these user journeys it's very very rare that it's oh yeah i did a search and i clicked and then i bought something they yeah. normally repeat visits over multiple time frames over multiple devices from multiple channels so getting th- wading through that um you know quagmire of attribution mm. is, is important yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's worth it's 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 a worthy diversion we took.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think iOS 14 is the precursor to some major some major shifts this year. Um, and people will expect you know if Apple users get used to being able to opt out of being tracked across the web, other you know other mobile users will want to follow suit. Um, it's worth noting, actually, I I, I forgot to mention that. Uh, <laughs> Despite all of these um privacy changes that that Apple were enforcing, if you want to use Apple's own advertising platform to promote your app, it's fine. You can still uh promote cross apps and I think this has um prompted a few people to make some complaints to the eu um fair competition department if you will um and I, so i think that's going to be investigated because i think facebook and google have rightly so said well it's okay it's all well and good for you to to stop our users from you know from us from being able to track across um across apps and websites but why is it okay for apple to be able to do that it does seem a bit unfair so we'll wait and see what happens there
0: well i think that's to be expected uh you know in some ways like i like i was saying about these companies acting in their own interests. What I do like, I guess though, is is that finally they're kind of doing it to each other rather than sort of to us as the consumer. Because normally normally we get these sweeping changes that um, you know, are are detrimental to a lot of the time to the end user or, you know, to people like us. But it'll be interesting. And this is what I was saying right at the beginning, right? Which is that these changes affect some big companies and potentially a lot of money. So Apple changing something you know, Apple is obviously a big company, like hugely wealthy, doing something that's going to put a dent in Facebook and Google's, you know, main revenue drivers. That's going to be a kind of clash of the titans moment. seeing and resolve that. So how how do you think, I mean, to, I guess, to wrap it up, because we've gone to, you know, we're half an hour now is how do you see this all affecting, um, fitting into this puzzle of paid management going forward?
1: Well, my thing has always been I'm, I'm I want my clients to enjoy long-term growth, and long-term growth can only be achieved through investing in activities that produce true acquisition, as opposed to just basic brand uh, protection. Um, so, I, I I see paid management less hands-on in the Google Ads platform because there's no point in lying about it Google is wanting to eventually automate everything Um, so I I see a lot of paid managers moving more into um, providing attribution analysis, looking really in-depth onto the true source and um, giving, giving factual answers as to where their customers are coming from and Allowing um, clients to better manage the media spend that they're throwing towards these ad platforms, um, and and actually measuring whether there is true acquisition and long term growth. Um, I mean, I, I'm guessing the same can be said for organic. Really, you know, you you want to carry out activities that increase traffic output from generic terms. The effort is harder than just reaping the rewards of instant brand wins but it secures long-term growth if you're not investing time and effort into growing a business's outreach activities they're just going to stagnate and reach a bottleneck and that's how exactly how it is with paid at the moment and so it's more going to be consultancy I see I see us paid managers becoming consultants of the truth I guess using hard data
0: I think that's a really good way to put it I think that's true because we've seen the kind of manual management of nuance within Google ads, as an example, definitely decline over the last 10 years, more is becoming automated, more data is being removed. Exactly right. Same with SEO. So yeah, that's, I think that's a really good take on where the kind of value and role of, again, whether it's in-house freelance agencies, whoever it is, these experts are, what value they're gonna provide. You know, it's more about managing the engagement of these platforms and making sure people are getting, you know, companies, businesses are getting what they need from them rather than the granular management. Mm. Cool. Well, I hope that's given everyone, um, especially those because some people still, you know, haven't looked into this at all about iOS 14. So I hope it's given you food for thought. We will, I guess we'll come back probably in a few months and revisit this and see where we are. And next week, time permitting, hopefully Rob's going to join me again to talk about some updates that have been happening to Google ads. So again, there's been some fairly significant updates, funnily enough, going along these lines of kind of granular control that I think are worth talking about. We haven't given Google ads much of a hearing recently. I've mainly been doing sort of the, the kind of SEO episode. So we'll talk about that next week, Rob. Yep. and apart from that I hope you all have a lovely week we're going to be back of course in one week's time so that's going to be Monday the 22nd of February of course if you like the podcast share it with a friend, subscribe and otherwise we both hope you have a lovely week. Goodbye